I'm Annie Apple, and I'm here to invite you to come and listen to my new podcast series, Raising April. It's the most intimate sports-related conversations you will hear. Each week, we explore the journeys of some of your favorite NFL players through the eyes of those that know them best. From Joe Burr, DeAndre Hopkins, Miles Garrett, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick and Joey Boza, just to name a few. With exclusive insights and information, we leave no stone unturned. Subscribe now to Raising a Pro on your favorite podcast app. HD you are listening to a Live Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. very warm welcome to everybody. I am Shraja Agrawal. With me is Yashish Thaiya, who is the co-founder and CEO of Policy Bazaar. Yashish, thank you for talking to us. My first question to Yashish really is that much is known for where you are right now. It took you sort of more than about 10 years. And Policy Bazaar, it's really a story about trade determination, passion in large fintech space and what you're trying to sort of build in the insurance sub-segment there. But let me ask you this, that if you were to sort of start Policy Bazaar in 2019, what would really have changed? Well, I think 2019 and 2008 are uh, are very different positions to start a startup. I think uh, the uh, biggest thing that's very different is the amount of capital, both the quantity and the quality. From an insurance industry standpoint, uh, we are we're at a very different juncture. At that stage, uh, there was nothing like term insurance. Today, term insurance is one of the most searched category. It is the most searched category in the in the industry. So I think uh, now what remains to be seen is would that have happened if Policy Bazaar had not been there at all? Uh, so I don't know if, uh, you know, it's a bit of a hypothetical question because uh, would 2019 be 2019 if 2008 had not happened at all? Uh, I think uh, maybe somebody else would have done it. And I think if I was starting out today with, let's say, Policy Bazaar already in existence, I may have done something totally different because I think uh, at least the insurance, uh, term insurance, health insurance area, uh, seem to be in a great shape, great place. Uh, of course, it's going to take time, but strategically, I think that that market has been uh, exploding. has has been has been doing well. You mentioned the term capital, and you yes. said both quantity and quality has considerably changed from two thousand and eight. Of, of course, and we are seeing manifestations of that yes. in a variety of ways. Yes, um, that sort of brings me to my next question about you got SoftBank on your cap table. Yes. And getting SoftBank on cap tables, at least the perception of it, is also seen that the company is successful because they've already chosen the winner. That is a SoftBank advantage. I want to ask you that, what does it really mean to you to have SoftBank as an investor in you? I think uh, uh, two things. First of all, SoftBank is not just an investor with us, but SoftBank is an investor with uh, a huge number of fintechs across the world. So whether we look at VFOX, whether we look at uh, Zongan, whether we look at, uh, you know, they're obviously investors all over the world in all kinds of startups. And that gives us a very acute sense of what is working, what is not working, what to attempt, etc. I think uh, they also bring along with that expertise that they've developed, which is sort of hand in hand, a huge amount of capital. And uh, it's, uh, the, you know, I'd say something controversial. I think it's relentless capital. And, and what that means is your competition relents uh, because uh, you're in a position where you're not going to relent. You're not going to relent because you're afraid you're going to run out of capital or something. You, you, you will relent if the, if the business model does not make sense. So I think uh, the phase when there were lots of business models, which uh, let's say may or may not have 
got feet, but the whole idea was expansion in a relentless manner. I think having SoftBank on a cap table essentially implies that others can relent and you know the SoftBank backed company can perhaps take a, a better position. If you can give us like two or three specific ways that how getting SoftBank has really helped. Of course, they've invested in a large company called Pingan also, and there's sort of parallels drawn between you and their journey. I think, I think Pingan is a very different organization from ours. Uh, we are uh, a marketplace. They are an insurance carrier. So I think uh, extremely different journeys. And, and that's what kind of uh, the fact that they've bought into the marketplace concept as far as India is concerned and into a different concept in China and a different concept everywhere else sort of gives us confidence in our business model because they have the benefit of the thought process across multiple markets. And uh, they uh, have a deep understanding of what they feel is going to work, what the, what's not going to work. So I think that sort of uh, validation, uh, of course, we had a lot of confidence in ourselves, but that validation does help uh, that they, they, are, they are happy to bless this model, back this model. And of course, uh, so what are conversations like, Yashesh? I think to any investor these days, not just SoftBank. Hmm. I think a lot of the conversations are around what do you develop into the future? What are the possibilities? But for us, what we have is also a very powerful position. True. It's a very... Uh, uh, see, India as a market does not have life insurance, does not have health insurance. We are by far and away the leading player in health insurance and life insurance in terms of propagating it, in terms of getting consumers to understand the need for it, and in terms of getting consumers to buy it. Uh, and that only comes in uh, to be known when somebody dies or somebody falls sick and you know an insurance company pays their claim and they are relieved of that financial burden. Uh, it's a very special position we hold. Such a position is not held in many markets by many companies. So, you know, that, that even SoftBank may have invested in. So we are very privileged to be in that position. I think having SoftBank on our cap table essentially to me means nobody can come and do stupid things to spoil our business. I think that's basically what it means to me. A lot of focus also have seen on the health space from you. Can you perhaps demystify the macros and the potential that you see there and why really that, you know, a lot of energies are going in that direction? So see, healthcare is a 150, 200 billion dollar market. It's a huge market. Health insurance is a very small segment of that. So retail health insurance is two, three billion, maybe four billion. It, you know, at any level, nobody's saying that retail health insurance is more than two, three percent of the healthcare market. It perhaps need to expand till it becomes 30 percent of the healthcare market. Now there are two ways of approaching any such problem. One way is you stay in the health insurance area and you keep talking about health insurance and hope that as time progresses, it keeps increasing. The second is you actually move into the fundamentals of why is healthcare not moving under insurance? Why are people not covering outpatient? Why are people unable to cover people more? And why are people, so, so you know, you're basically addressing fundamental issues. And for that, you need to go and change the entire network. You need to create a network. You need to do a lot of things at grounds up, uh, which enable more and more of healthcare to flow into health insurance or to be insurable. You know? uh, see, it's not a very insurable situation if uh, anybody can create a bill for any disease and just submit a bill. You can't really pay insurance on that. So the, one, of the, one of the tenets of insurance is you must have a credible way of verifying. So insurance is one product where if something can just be managed or manipulated, you're as an insurance company, you can't handle it. And uh, hence, that part needs to be sorted. And that's what we're trying to do with DocPrime. What we're trying to do is basically sort out the underlying layer of healthcare in a manner that it becomes credible. 
Talking a little about Paisa Bazaar and Policy Bazaar right now, it really seems that you have built a large distribution engine right there. Sure. And the distribution machinery is kind of well oiled. It sort of is proven times insurance products that you have sold. Is it a plan to sort of add more products on the top of that level? Largely, we are about credit and uh, insurance. And I think we will stay that. So, in fact, even when Policy Bazaar is concerned, we are largely about considered insurance purchase. We're not about tick box insurance. We're we're really about considered insurance purchase, long-term decisions like health insurance, life insurance, that would be specialized in. Similarly, uh, Pesa Bazaar specializes in essentially giving credit. Uh, you know, if somebody wants a loan, somebody wants a credit card, somebody wants a, has a health issue, they need a loan, business issue, they need a loan, mostly unsecured credit. That's what, and that is precisely why they work very hard on the credit score. So they have 24 million people using the credit score application, sorry, 13 million people using the credit score application. And I think that is very essential for them because that is the starting point. It's unsecured credit, it's not a home loan or anything, but that's what they specialize in. And that's, I think we will stick to our core. What are the key challenges that you see when you're running your business? From the biggest challenge, I can't talk about it in media. <laughs> uh, it has nothing to do with business, it has nothing to do with money. <laughs> but uh, I think uh, uh, from a business perspective, we're in a good position. The biggest issue that bothers us is a customer service. Uh, and how to ensure that we are able to provide customer service to people specifically when, please understand, you know, for, we deal with 40 insurance companies. Uh, Pesa Bazaar deals with 100 plus uh, banks and NBFCs. When the customer comes and buys from us, we provide him the information, but the customer holds us responsible even for the transaction. And many times we're not in control of the transaction. However, our job is to get more and more comfort over the service levels of the transaction so that we can eventually promise, hold our promise to the consumer. So if a consumer comes to Policy Bazaar, whether he's coming in for a service issue or whether his policy is not being issued or whether he's got a claim, uh, whatever it is, Policy Bazaar should be in a position to basically uh, support the customer in that position, right? Uh, and I think that is our biggest challenge. They buy, by far and away, that has to be the biggest challenge. So what is that big vision? This is the big vision. Okay, and about... Please understand, already... We are a very, very large part of the life insurance industry. I don't know if any insurance company alone, any insurance company has a sum assured equal to the amount of sum assured bought through policy bazaar. Now we have this entire conversation about, you know, FDI being open the insurance space. Yes. You know, how will that translate into the large insurance space and specifically for your business? Do you See, think? we need foreign capital. We need lots and lots of foreign capital. Uh, so far, we are contained by the amount of foreign capital and we are very lucky that we are supported by InfoEdge and Premji Invest. Uh, and True North, who are domestic investors, so that, you know, we manage the balance of 51, 49 in some way. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, we are, of course, massively constrained by foreign capital. So if we get foreign capital, that should help us. We are constrained by capital because there's just not so much of domestic capital available for, uh, you know, the, the kind of business. You look, why, why look anywhere else? Look within India, the other e-commerce businesses. And see how much domestic capital versus foreign capital exists in any one of it's them. Clearing, right? yeah. It's pretty clear 80%, 90% of it is foreign capital. So I think uh, we have somewhere got a bit contained because of that. I think as it opens up, that really opens up, uh, you know, to us to expand further and uh, have, have fewer capital constraints. So I'm sure they must have been conversation about the exit scenarios. Tell us about that. Every investor who has wanted an exit yeah. has received it within 90 days. I can guarantee that to you. There was some secondary transaction going on. I have 700 million of excess demand for my stock. Excess demand over and above whatever has been sold. 
So there was almost $1.2 billion of term sheets for about $400 million of transaction. So I'm in that situation. Why do I need to worry? The, the kind of names we are having to refuse are, it's so it feels sad because I would have loved to have those people as investors with me. No, I'm the, the phenomenal names. From an entrepreneurial perspective, is an IPO or a sellout what really would be of oh, From an entrepreneurial perspective, listen, I don't want to get into the complication of it, but uh, I really don't have any use of money beyond a little amount. I really have no use whatsoever. So it'll actually, it's actually going to become a problem for me. Suppose this uh, company sells today and let's say my stock is worth $100 million. What am I going to do with $100 million? Like, please understand, right? What exactly will I do? There is genuinely nothing to be done. Genuinely nothing to be done. I don't, I can't think of anything I can do. I can't think of anything I can do for more than $1-$2 million. Why some message to the VCs or perhaps what you're seeing in the VC ecosystem, what would that really be? I think uh, look for entrepreneurs who are in this for the long run. Look for entrepreneurs with some delivery track record. Now, my quick, like three minutes rapid fire with Yashish Thayya. The most overhyped unicorn, according to you, Ola or Uber? As in, uh, they are they are not overhyped or uh, no, no. Uh, I mean, like your pre your preference, your personal bet. I my view is Ola, Indian. And how was it meeting up with Masa? He's an he's an awesome guy. He's a straight talker. He talks straight. And by the way, he asked me about profitability. So whatever people think, he asked me about profitability, he asked me about uh, uh, revenue numbers, he asked me about contribution numbers, he asked me about growth. The highest point in Policy Bazaar's journey till now? I think today would be the best point in the last 11 years of our journey. And the lowest point? The lowest point I think was 2011. The point is largely to do with government and governance. Uh, so I've had a lot of those. Uh, but I just decided not to talk about it in media. This was a Live Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast. I'm Annie Apple, and I'm here to invite you to come and listen to my new podcast series, Raising April. It's the most intimate sports related conversations you will hear. Each week, we explore the journeys of some of your favorite NFL players through the eyes of those that know them best. From Joe Burrow, DeAndre Hopkins, Miles Garrett, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick and Joey Boza, just to name a few. With exclusive insights and information, we leave no stone unturned. Subscribe now to Raising a Pro on your favorite podcast app.